Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Cavalry Audio. All right, welcome back, beautiful people. This is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Daniel Pork. And I wanted to thank you all for listening. Uh, we truly appreciate your support and all your feedback. Uh, you know, we learn just as much as you do. And the reason why we do this podcast is to teach. And so, you know, continue sending that feedback. We want to hear what you guys want to listen to. And uh, hopefully we can teach you a little something. So... Uh, today we are going to talk about you know something that's been in the news recently and this has been around for decades um, you know with different varying variations of it uh, but we call the Freddy Krueger effect recently and this mm -hmm. is from the co2 or carbon dioxide laser so um, today we're kind of going to talk about the Freddy Krueger effect what the co2 laser is how it can benefit you what the pitfalls are, downtime and everything else. And then for those of you who don't want to burn your face off, we'll come up with uh, some, uh, you know, alternatives to this. Um, you know, I'll preface this entire conversation by saying that I perform, you know, a significant amount of these because I do believe in this technology. I think that the results can be phenomenal, um, but it's for not for the uh, faint of heart. Absolutely. And, and I think this is something that, that there's a, there are very degrees on, on how um, intense or, or, you know, how hard you're going to take the, the laser and, or how, how high you're going to dial it up. Mm -hmm. And each individual is different. And we really do individualize each patient when we do a fractionated CO2 laser treatment on them, mm -hmm. um, depending on what they're looking for and depending on two other really important things. One is their Fitzpatrick classification, which we've talked about before, which is their skin color and tone. And the second thing is if they have been pre-treated or not. Mm -hmm. And these are both very important things. And if you do go somewhere, and again, here we're trying to just kind of educate everyone. So if they're going to go have this treatment done, they make sure that some of these things are done so they don't have complications with this because if lasers are done improperly, the complications are very difficult to treat. Yeah, listen, I think if we look at specific indications, obviously you had mentioned one, um, you know, we're looking at particular skin color. And so the goal behind anytime you have a heat-based technology, which is what usually lasers are, they can cause what's caused, called post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, PIH. Now, it's more common the darker you get. So let's say, you know, I've heard forever you cannot use a CO2 laser on an African-American individual. And, and listen, um, that's not entirely true. The idea is you have to prepare the skin to accommodate. You have to imagine the way a carbon dioxide laser works, a true carbon dioxide laser, which no one really uses anymore because it strips pigment. And so back in the mm -hmm. 70s, you used to see these women who got facelifts and there would be a white line just under the jawline, and then the neck would have their normal skincare color. So uh, obviously, we have uh, you know improved the, 
the 2.0 CO2 laser. It's now called a fractionated CO2 laser. Many of you know it as Fraxel is a brand um, that has a few different types of laser, but Fraxel has a fractionated CO2 laser. And fractionated just means it's only using a portion of, so rather than a complete solid square, it's dots or lines, something like that where it's fractionated so it doesn't eliminate all of the pigmentation. So all I'm saying is I'm not condoning us using, you know, so you have to imagine for a Fitzpatrick scale that goes from one to six, one is, you know, redhead, blue eyes, freckles. And they easily burn, burn easily. So it's all based on the uh, how easily you burn and how easily you tan. And then it goes all the way up to a six, which is very dark, usually black skin. And uh, it's all depends on the amount of melanocytes, the pigment-containing cells that are in your skin. Mm -hmm. So we generally reserve the CO2 laser for the first one to three, Fitzpatrick one to three. And four, five, and six, you just have to be very judicious about it. Um, you had made reference to the fact on pre-treating, and I think it's extremely important. This is where many patients who say, oh my gosh, I, you know, my melasma kicked up or my, um, uh, this pigmentation developed, I was botched. A lot of times because they are, the patients are not pre-treated with something that helps regulate the melanocytes. So what I would say, you know, here in our practice, we use something called Triluma. Triluma is a blend of hydroquinone, which slightly bleaches the skin, a retinol, which helps it turn over, from, uh, you know, on a uh, cellular turnover quickens on a, a regular basis. And then there's a tiny hint of a steroid that helps the calming effects of the retinol. Because the last thing we want to do is create inflammation and cause pigmentation. So it's counter counterproductive. So what, you know, my rule of thumb is for each Fitzpatrick scale <clears throat> score, I put a patient on one week's worth of Triluma. So that means the darker you get, the more weeks we tack on. So if you are a Fitzpatrick three or four, you're going to be on Triluma for a month, three or four weeks. Um, we found that this dramatically reduces the amount of post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. Doesn't always eliminate it, but it definitely reduces it. Yeah, and, and again, that the last sentence was very important. Doesn't completely eliminate it, um, but it really makes it a lot safer. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's move along and, and talk about why we use this and where we use it in our practice and where other people use it. And it's it's in, very interesting because to tell you how good a laser like this works, um, just so you can understand, a lower eyelid surgery where we used to do in the past, where we actually used to cut skin out, um, where it was a lower blepharoplasty, mm -hmm. um, to tighten skin, is very, very, very rarely done now. And the reason for that is because we have such a powerful laser in, in a CO2 laser, they can tighten the skin so well, again, not as well as a, uh, cutting out the skin, but pretty darn close, that the complications that arise from cutting skin out under the eyes which are a lot which are things that can really can be devastating now aren't there anymore if you use the co2 laser under the eyelids properly and it can really tight it to a degree to that you're very and most people are very happy and you know about this because you do this operation so often where you take fat out of the under eyes and instead of taking a pinch of skin you just do a laser treatment 
and you're done. And that's been a great way to really eliminate the, the lot dreaded complications that you have with lower bluffs where you have to do a cantopexy or a cantoplasty to really keep that eyelid set because sometimes when you put a scar there, it pulls the eyelid yeah, down. Yeah, changes the aperture of the eye. And so that's where you see someone who used to have that nice almond shape. Now it's rounded. You see more of the underside under the iris of the eye. And it just looks, you know, it's a dead giveaway of uh, having had surgery. So, um, you know, again, I think, listen, how does the CO2 laser work? So obviously carbon dioxide laser and, and laser, we... You know, it's one of those acronyms that has been the light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation, and that's the the technical term for laser. Um, the carbon dioxide laser really uh, each laser has its own target or chromophore, and for the CO two laser, it happens to be at a specific wavelength, ten thousand six hundred nanometers, which uh, it hits. The chromophore is water. And so what it does, it penetrates the skin surface, you know, where water in the skin cells absorb it. And then uh, essentially the epidermis or superficial layer of the skin is vaporized. I mean, that's just what happens. It takes off. I always say the same thing. It does two things. It takes off the dusty layers on the outside. So you have fresh, uh, healthy skin underneath. And it also, it's like aerating a lawn. You poke holes in the lawn and grass grows. Well, the same thing happens. Microscopic holes are poked into the dermis of the skin, and that causes collagen stimulation. So, you know, that middle layer heats up, uh, stimulating growth of new collagen fibers. And as the area heals, new, firmer, smoother skin replaces the old layers. And that's essentially the uh, entire uh, mechanism of how the CO2 laser works. Absolutely. And and here's, other than, than, than doing the Triluma or some, some type of retinol product, here's how we like to prepare all of our patients. These are all very important things. So if you're going to do this elsewhere, just kind of understand that it's important for your, your practitioner to set you up with this. Number one, your, you can't, the areas that are getting laser treatment cannot be tanned. So avoid tanning or heavy sun exposure for about four weeks before treatment, because this actually can cause more pigmentation. That's number one. Number two, um, not using any types of medicine that can cause sun sensitivity, things like doxycycline, things like using um, um, any, any type of, of acne, oral acne medications, things like that. Um, moving along, taking an antiviral. If you are um, have a history of herpes or, or, or shingles, we pre-treat almost everyone before they have this type of uh, procedure because what it does is it exacerbates and actually brings out either cold sores or shingles um, if you've had them before. Yeah, it and then be pretty painful. So we just give it just be case, you know, just in case because you know likely as eighty percent of us have some dormant virus, and this will definitely even if you've never had. You know, let's say you you had one uh, 20 years ago. You haven't had one since. You're going to have one after this procedure, and so we pre-treat you. With it. And then this goes along with every operation we do. Quit smoking. Um, we like it to be three weeks before, three weeks after, because it does interfere with healing. Now, again, we're not causing incisions here, which is when we're really concerned when we're doing any type of patient that, that, that is a smoker. But again, this when you are a smoker, it inhibits healing. And depending on how aggressive we're going to be with your with your laser, um, you're going to need to, to heal. Now, we're going to talk about the procedure, and I'm going to let Dr. Lakey kind of go over um, how he does this because he does a lot of these. However, 
I will preface this by saying most fractionated CO2 laser treatments should be done in an operating room um, because they can be very painful. However, we do have protocols that our nurse, even in the office, or myself can do, and Dr. Lakey as well, can do with minimal pain and mm -hmm. minimal downtime. Mm -hmm. The difference is the actual intensity of the laser and the settings that we use are significantly lower so you're going to have multiple treatments instead of that just one and done imagine there are three variables that are used in the co2 laser one is the watts that's how let's say the depth of penetration <clears throat> the second is what we call the spacing that means how close together are the tiny little dots that are formed. So the closer they are, obviously, the more damage is done to the skin. The further it's spaced out, it becomes lighter and lighter. Um, and then the last variable is the dwell time. That's how much time the laser actually sits in the area to allow heat to uh, spread to the surrounding areas. The more heat, can lead to uh, you know more collagen production. However, it can also lead to more post-inflammatory pigmentation. So this using you know it's a constant interplay of these three variables that we use that are tailored towards your skin type uh, and you know your uh, sensitivity. So let's say for uh, you know and Dr. Daniel Poor just mentioned you know we can have our nurse do uh, something under local anesthesia and we've got a pretty good topical local anesthetic. You, you put this on and uh, you put it on for an hour and likely you're not going to feel a single thing. Um, and so that's when the penetration is a little more shallow. You can, uh, your spacing might, might not be as, uh, as condensed and the dwell time might not be, you know, adding more heat increases the discomfort. And so, but when I'm in the operating room, the idea is we're going to blast it and use it to our advantage. And that's where people start talking about the Freddy Krueger effect. So when people start saying, okay, uh, you, you know, am I going to ooze? I, I always tell people the same thing. I say, look, you're going to look like you've uh, been in a, you know, a house fire for a week because True. you will, the face will swell. It turns red. And in the beginning, so as far as the pain of the procedure you know, here at our practice, we make sure that you're pretty comfortable. Even if we had to use nitrous or something like that and you're doing it at a local, most patients say that it's it's easy. So for those of you who are getting these procedures done somewhere else and they're not topically, you know, they're not giving you enough topical and they're torturing you, um, I'm just telling you it's the wrong way to go, okay? Um, it, so you should be pretty comfortable. If you're going to do it under uh, general anesthesia, you don't have to have to worry about it. But afterwards, everybody complains of the same thing. It feels like a sunburn. Your face feels hot. So I always tell people the same thing. Bef uh, you know, before you have the procedure done, put some wet washcloths in the refrigerator. When you get home, just lay those on the skin and change them out after they turn warm. And most people say that by the third washcloth, they are feeling much better. The idea is just to cool the skin. <laughs> And now we actually have to prepare the skin. We have to, um, you know, we have to treat the skin afterwards. So it used to be that we used uh, a topical antibiotic ointment and all these things. But, um, you know, a lot of studies are now showing that Aquaphor uh, tends to be much less clogging. Uh, you know, your skin heals better. And so this is kind of the typical standby, uh, you know, topical that we use afterwards because Right now, your skin has been damaged and we need to trap as much moisture as we can.
The more the skin dries out and desiccates, that's when you worry about, uh, and it's the same thing when we're treating burn surgery. Mm-hmm. That's why we have the Parkland formula, which uh, hydrates the patient as best we can because it will change. So what we've created is a controlled burn. But if that burn converts into a deeper or, or, or worse one, you will have uh, scarring. Mm-hmm. And so that's why this has to be done in ch- especially if we're powering up that laser and we're really doing it in the operating room, it has to be under uh, skilled hands or well-trained hands because you can definitely scar the skin and there is no recourse for that. So you obviously (laughs) want to maintain hydration um, and also afterwards you want to trap in as much moisture as you can. Don't go anywhere. Dr. Daniel Poor and I will be back after this break. Absolutely. Um, Now, there, there are tricks for healing. And and after this, I'm going to kind of go over benefits of why you should do this. But I want to talk about, you know, when you do this in the operating room, and things have evolved significantly over the years. Because I remember, you know, and this is this is a procedure, interestingly enough, that can be combined with other operations. And it, it, it is combined a lot, mm-hmm. especially by Dr. Lakey, um, when he does facelifts, when he does eyelid surgery, when he does brow lifts, sometimes a rhinoplasty, depending on, on, on what type of operation. Even when I'm doing body surgery, sometimes they'll want a little facial rejuvenation. Well, we'll do a, a CO2 laser of the face. But what do you do in the operating room? immediately after you do the laser are there any tips and tricks because i know what we used to do sometimes with prp and and now has evolved so kind of tell us about that if that's okay so the idea for us you know the perfect procedure would have excellent it would be painless it would have excellent results no downtime Um, and so what we try to do is we look at every single one of these procedures uh, that has such an effective so let's say we were able to mitigate the pain and you you didn't feel anything well then we want to talk about intensity and the more intense the laser is uh, the longer the downtime so we have to find ways of reducing that downtime so how do we stimulate the body into you know thinking that it's healed Well, one of the initial thoughts was putting platelet-rich plasma, or PRP. The same thing that's used for the vampire facial and all these other things. Um, It's your own plasma. So it's, uh, you know, autologous plasma that has been concentrated. And uh, the idea is platelet is, let's say you cut yourself, it's the first cell on the scene, and then it calls all the other growth factors. So imagine, you know, you've got about 6% circulating platelets in your body. And let's say we draw just, you know, a vial of blood, we centrifuge it, and now you've got 92% platelets concentrated in this plasma that we inject or lay onto the face. So we have seen uh, a slight reduction in the healing process based off of this because now instead of waiting for all these inflammatory factors to kick in, uh, we have concentrated platelets that call for all the growth factors. That was the first level of defense. So again, we're trying to reduce the amount of downtime. Well, most recently, and these, uh, you know, this is, is more of a controversial subject. The FDA definitely, we, you know, we butt heads with in medicine. Um, but now we are starting to look towards regenerative medicine. And, so if, you know, obviously here we can't uh, ex- you know, put on stem cells or inject stem cells because, um, you know, these aren't necessarily approved here. 
However, what we can do is, for who knows, maybe a brief period of time until the FDA appeals a certain decision, we can use things called exosomes. Exosomes are the tiny microvesicles within stem cells that contain the actual growth factors. And they contain, now imagine that you're getting exosomes from, uh, you know, from the placenta, or you're getting them from umbilical cord, but you're getting them from uh, you know, uh, um, the, the amniotic fluid. Now we've got essentially these vesicles that contain growth factors at day one. This is not 30-year-old plasma. This is not 50-year-old plasma. This is at day one. We know now, using you know, looking at some of the scientific evidence, that we have the ability to slowly start using some of these chemicals as regenerative agents. Um, do I have the data to support the, if the complete effect? No, I do not. And that's why there's about 900 studies that are currently under, uh, you know, undergoing when it comes to regenerative medicine, stem cell therapy, and exosomes. But now, um, using exosomes, we call them nanoparticles to kind of bypass the uh, FDA. Um, and these nanoparticles contain these growth factors directly, day one. And so we are slowly starting to use these on our post-CO2, post-microneedling, uh, post-procedure patients because uh, we are seeing such a dramatic decrease in the, you know, the entire uh, you know, recovery process. So, I, you know, again, I'm not making any claims as far as will this cut your time in half? I, I can't give you that claim. However, once we do have at least some uh, pilot data, we will let you know because it's looking that it will dramatically reduce any procedural downtime. And really, it's, it's, it's truly your only um, kind of factor that makes you, well, should I do this or should I not? Mm -hmm. and, and when you do a very intense fractionated CO2 laser treatment... Yeah, I mean, like what you said, you feel like you're in a house fire. So if you can use something that's going to take that recovery time and make it easier and make it less, well, then why not? You, you know, I, def I want to interject right there. I will tell you, uh, all of those patients, I will tell you, I still have yet to have a patient out of the hundreds I've done uh, that wish they wouldn't have done it. So I will tell you the results can be dramatic. Um, you know, especially that first couple of weeks, people say, oh my gosh, I haven't had the skin for, since I was, you know, for 20 years earlier. Um, and the idea is now you have to maintain it. And this is why I'm yeah, such a big important. proponent of regenerative medicine. We'll, we'll have a, 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 you know, an expert on, uh, to talk about this, but the idea is that, um, you know, again, the DNA has been damaged. Your skin, you know, when, when you were in the, the sun in your teens and, and you burned in your 20s, um, it doesn't matter how much uh, sunscreen that you put on when you're 50 because the damage has already been done. So even when you do these procedures, some of the issues will come back. They return. And this is where coupling it with some of these regenerative medicine products, we're starting to see where some of the pigmentation doesn't come back. So I'm just saying the potential... Uh, obviously, I'm very excited about it, but the potential is there. 
And we here at Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Group are starting to use exosome or nanoparticle therapy for our post-procedure uh, recovery. Absolutely. And again, we've talked a lot about this, but we haven't really talked about why we use it. And I'm just kind of going to go over, because there's a lot of different applications for this fractionated CO2 laser. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's why we love having it. And again, we own a, one in the office. We use it on a daily basis for patients that are having procedures in the office, but we also use it regularly in the operating room. And these are the reasons why we use them, okay? So first and foremost, fine lines and wrinkles. It is a great way to eliminate fine lines and wrinkles without having to put in filler, without having to do, you know, a chemical peel, without having to do other types of procedures. This, again, it's a resurfacing procedure. So remember, CO2 laser is a resurfacing. So what we're doing, in a sense, it's like, it's like cutting, it, it's like sanding your face in a sense and bringing in new skin and new collagen. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't sound so great, but it is. Um, moving on, also sand, you, to, to treat sun-damaged skin for sunspots, for pigmentation, things like that. But it also tightens skin. So it does a combination like we talked about under the eyes. So the under eye, like we talked about, how often do you use this under the eye? Um, all the time. Every time. I mean, this is every time I do lower eyelid surgery. I mean, uh, honestly, I think it's uh, such a great adjunct. So, and, and then moving along, we also, this is something that is literally a mainstay for acne scars. Um, acne scars we've been treating for years. It's one of the most difficult difficult areas to treat because you're talking about deep scars most of the time when we have deep scars how do we treat them we cut them out mm -hmm. and again you don't want to cut a ton of scars out on the face because it's going to look really weird so doing a fractionated co2 laser treatment or multiple treatments over time can significantly significantly help the appearance of acne scars there's another um, area that i really like is called sebaceous hyperplasia or you know people that have that have areas that have overgrowths of of either fat um and and really it's it's almost impossible to treat unless you and you see it a lot on the upper eyelid um sometimes you can cut it out with a blepharoplasty and probably the best way to treat it but this is the only other way to treat it um and 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 doing a couple of treatments can really help um and then last but not least and most dermatologists will cringe when I say this, but very superficial skin cancers can be treated with a fractionated CO2 laser as with a chemical peel because they literally, like we talk about, take away the top layer of the skin. Yeah, these precancerous for sure, those actinic keratoses <clears throat> that have the potential to become squamous cell, this is a great way, you know, because... You know, some derms use uh, five fluorouracil mm -hmm. to, you know, topically eat away at those. And so I think that uh, this is a great option. Obviously, if we laser over the top and something recurs, then we biopsy and you treat it accordingly. Um, you know, as far as, you know, again, this being a, what I talked about earlier, this is a great adjunct to surgical procedures as well. I think that this, you know, for all of you who are considering a surgical procedure, even if it's the body even if it's, you know, you're getting a tummy tuck or breast surgery, uh, you know, something like that, you can opt to ask your plastic surgeon, should we also do something as a little refresher for the face? Mm -hmm. You have the downtime. You're going to be down for it. You may as well use it. And, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff with the body, you can't really see through clothing, but you can see the results with your face. And so it's one of those things where every now and then you need a quick reset and then it's maintenance from there. And and the one thing you may be wondering, because we did a whole podcast on Morpheus, um, 
why do this instead of the Morpheus? Because we love the Morpheus. And the Morpheus is like the hottest, possibly probably the, the hottest uh, treatment out there for 2022. Um, but it's very different because, again, like I just said, this is a resurfacing procedure. Morpheus is not. Morpheus is more of a collagen building procedure that tightens skin by inducing collagen. This does a little bit of both, but this resurfaces. Um, whereas, you know, Morpheus is not a resurfacing procedure, so very different. Okay, yeah, does if it? You're, if you're looking at, you know, you have a bunch of dark spots on your face, CO2 would be the choice. If you're just looking to tighten some of the skin, that's Morpheus. Exactly. So if, if that's an easy delineation. So and then, you know, once you get a smooth contour to the skin, meaning you know, you if you have diffuse pigmentation and all of a sudden you have even skin tone, you look younger, hands down. That mm -hmm. will take five years off. In fact, we do it on our Vectra system. I'll show a, an individual what happens if you re were to remove all of the dark spots on the face and you immediately look five years younger. Absolutely. So that's where sometimes we actually do this in concert. I will do a Morpheus of the skin in certain areas, and then we'll do the CO2 laser over the top to get you know added benefits. So you know, I would just say these are things that are, were, were thrown out there that can be done, again, as an adjunct to another surgical procedure, just as a quick refresh. Um, and now I think, you know, again, not everybody out there wants the Freddy Krueger effect, you, you know, and again, Freddy Krueger, for those of you who don't know, especially the millennials, this was a horror, uh, horror series back in the eighties and nineties of a, a burned individual with long dagger, you know, long knives uh, as gloves on his hands that would catch you in your sleep, uh, in anything that happened during a dream actually. Scary looking guy. Life. But um, the idea is his face was badly burned. And so that's why it's the Freddy Krueger effect. For those of you who do not want to uh, look like you're in a house fire for a week, um, you know, what are some other options that we have here that you could put that are or that are out there? And again, it, it, like I said, you can do a fractionated CO2 laser and not look like you were Freddy Krueger. Mm -hmm. You can just do it dialed down and come in more frequently to get it done. It is very, very, you know, it's easily tolerated if it's done at, at lower settings. So that's, you know, that's that's the one thing. The other thing is using any types of chemical peels. We have a ton of different ones. Or using other types of, you know, we have a fractionated Pico laser. They can do it. But again, it's much more dialed down. Definitely. Um, the one thing that I kind of do want to talk about, go oh, ahead. I was going to say that one other thing that could be helpful for those as an alternative that want to reduce pigmentation, um, did we touch on the clear and brilliant? Oh, the clear because and brilliant is great. And, and an IPL. I mean, if you're just wanting pigment, the clear and brilliant is lovely because you can actually use it on all all skin tones. And I think what we'll do is we'll do a full podcast on the Clear and Brilliant awesome. and bring our nurse on and have her talk about how we do it and why we do it. So you, you get a little bit more understanding because I don't want to kind of go into that. Um, but it's a great way to do it with no downtime, with minimal pain. And I've seen incredible results. Um, it's a really good way to do it, especially if you've got darker skin tones, because we do have a lot of Middle Eastern patients here, uh, darker skin tones, African-Americans, where you can do the Clear and Brilliant. Sure. Um, and the last thing is the IPL, which is really just, it's intense pulse light. That's really just for pigment and it really does help a lot. 
The one thing that we didn't touch on, uh, you know, are it, well, <clears throat> we kind of alluded to some of them earlier, and we tried to head them off prior to the procedure is really the potential complications of a CO2 laser. And so, and again, CO2, I'm referring to a ref, uh, fractionated CO2 laser. Um, you know, we talk about potential infection of, uh, you know, the areas because, again, we're creating essentially open wounds all over the face. So we've got acne, potential acne flare-ups, because what happens is you reset the, uh, the oil-producing glands of the face. We're creating youthful skin. So what happens? Sometimes you have breakouts. Um, cold sore reactivation, we talked about uh, milia, very tiny, small little skin bumps. That can happen. It's because, again, we're kind of b uh, burning over some of the pores. They get clogged, and uh, you know they form tiny little pimples. So... Um, also, what can happen is we form milia because of the substance that's being used on the face. Uh, we used to see it a lot when we would have uh, antibiotic ointment on the face, and it tended to clog some of the pores. And every now and then, even though it was an antibiotic ointment, uh, people would develop tiny little milia. Um, hyperpigmentation, we, re we uh, alluded to, and that was uh, something that we try to pre-treat with Triluma. Um, and then our worst fear is scarring, and that's why you need to go to someone who is... Uh, experienced in every skin type because um, you know again you go to a med spa that does this and uh, your skin is a little different than someone next to you and you're getting the same treatment sometimes you can run into some serious issues yeah um, but generally speaking I tell you most of these patients that get this done love it mm -hmm. um, and we also there's one other areas we, we like to use fractionated co2 laser and sometimes on scars and it really does help resurface scars um, for some people that their scars are really bothering them we use a variety of different treatments but we have been using the fractionated co2 laser and it is really helping us as well yeah well listen uh again we are both big proponents of the fractionated co2 laser uh, like i said out of the hundreds i've done there hasn't been a single patient that wishes they wouldn't have done it it definitely resets the clock. Uh, in fact, I'd love to do one on, on myself. I think I'll have uh, Dr. Daniel Porter, Dr. Reserdy one on me. <laughs> and, um, you know, again, I hope you've learned something. So thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, please keep your feedback coming. And again, I would consider if you are going to have a procedure done, also consider rejuvenating the face. It's an easier procedure. You have the downtime while you're, uh, you know, undergoing recovery for the other, you know, whatever you're doing. Uh, but it's something we often forget about. You know, this is a time where if you're doing something to improve yourself, why not just reset the face a little bit too? Um, hopefully you learned something today. Once again, this is Forever Young. I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielpour. If you're enjoying this show, we would really appreciate it if you can rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Peace. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.